Anyway, you see what yes, I'm saying? I, I, the, you're, you're, it's the viewpoints and the, the philistical, is that right? The fallacy arguments that have to be broken down. And, and when you understand, you're like, whoa, I've been looking at this completely in a whacked out way. Because you you're narc, dude. Right. Believing I have to do the dive. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Test, test, test. Testing one, two. Okay, go ahead and check. Uh, give me a test. Check, check, checkity, check, check. Hey, is it, is it, uh, what's today? Is today shout out day? Yeah, I think we should probably give some shout outs. We've been riding the wave of uh, our fans, our listeners, I should say, far too long without really acknowledging some really uh, good folks that are. We just get so. So busy, the show eats up so much time making that uh, it, it takes a while to look back and mess around with those emails that we're getting. And uh, so let, let's take a quick moment and do that. Okay, let's take some First deco. One. Let's take a little deco time. Let's take yeah, a little yeah. uh, safety stop here. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Let me we'll call this the safety you, stop of shout outs. Yeah, let's do some. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> the give, shout give out a, safety stop. Give me a little hit of that O2 there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's the good stuff right good there. Stuff. I can feel. I can feel the nitrogen. I can, I'm, I can feel my blood cleaning up. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> hey, babe. This is a shout out to my girl, babe. Babe Hyde. You know who you are. She's been hiding from me. Yeah. That's she, a great name. It, I don't care a, what you say, James. I, I just said it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. It is truly a great name because A... As a, a man, I like to consider myself a man who, uh, what's the word? Is a babe? But, no, I'm not a babe, <laughs> that's for sure. But the uh, I appreciate Those, babes. Uh... I appreciate babes, like, like a lot. Hey, babe. This is a totally sexist. Uh, it is. It's not going to make it out there, is it? <laughs> I, I don't know how to say it without, well, she, her, uh, but that's just says, a great uh, name. It says that uh, this comes from a Tammy, but she says, hello, my name is Babe. You know how many oh, women have said yeah. that to me? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I bet it is. You just call me babe. All, well, listen, all seriousness, though. Well, listen. Really? Babe just sent us a nice little donation. Oh, uh, she truly was thanking is a babe. us. Thanking us. <laughs> not, she's not <laughs> major babe. Uh, thanking us for some stickers we sent her early on oh, before super. we uh, had the donations possible. And she says that. Um, she is a respiratory therapist. Nice. And it's, very, it's very nice to hear 
other people educated in diving physiology. Very nice. Yeah. Well, so RTs, she, she really appreciates what yeah. we what we do when we we're talking about stuff. Super. I, that's a, a, a great accolade right there because they're very well versed in the workings of you know pulmonary system, respira- respiration, and that's scuba diving. I mean, he, a big part of the physiology and the medical uh, section of scuba diving is is breathing. It's one of the zen parts Breath- of scuba diving, uh, right? Breathing you know? is everything. It's it's the zen of scuba diving. Without it's breathing. The, it's the decompression of scuba diving. It's the yeah. buoyancy of scuba diving. I mean, it, it really is. The breath of scuba diving. It really is. <laughs> breathing is the life breath <laughs> of some, living underwater. Yes. All, all like yoga teachers, all Buddhist, zen Buddhist meditators will tell you it's, it's all about breathing. But she says to um, don't stop what we're doing. Excellent. So we're going to have to make a couple more episodes. That's another thing babes say to me a lot. <laughs> no, I better stop. My wife is going to... I get whacked in the side of the head. She doesn't listen, thank God. My wife does not listen to her. She she says she hears enough of my non, my drivel. Okay, so she um, she mentioned that she uh, gave us a five-star rating. Oh, well, yeah. coincidentally, that's another thing I get from a lot of babes. <laughs> Says, uh, she says uh, she gave us a five-star rating, not a four, no, not a two. She gave us a 10 <laughs> five-star rating. Nice. That's awesome. That's another thing now. That's, uh, <laughs> that's great. Thank you, babe. Thanks, babe. We also got a nice little donation and, and a really interesting question from uh, Duncan over in Toronto. Nice. Is he, is he Scottish? He's I think he's, uh, I'm pretty if sure it he's, ain't Scottish. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, but I'm pretty sure he's Canadian. Well, living there he may be, but... But he asked us a really, really good question about uh, being a dive master in training. A dit. And, uh, a dit. And, you know, wanting to be, you know, better than the average Joe. And I think what we're going to tell you, Duncan, is to hold on tight uh, grab that O2 bottle, hang out in 20 feet for a few minutes because uh, we're going to get back to you coming up very soon with uh, with a full episode about this, I think. Yeah, because this is not an uncommon... I mean, I can remember 20 years ago going through this kind of thought process. You know, because you know, you look around and you can see there are people doing the bare minimum yeah. to, to be an instructor. And I think, you know, there are agencies that want you to do the bare minimum they don't want you to go anything past they they make it clear like this is where you go you don't read anything into it which you kind of understand from a you know these are large agencies that they don't want anybody thinking on their own do it you know the cookie cutter cutter mcdonald's fast food approach stamp out the same thing yeah yeah and and the and the shops as well I mean, well yeah I mean, the shops don't want to go out on the you edge you know you and i <laughs> both suffered early on of like of not teaching I'm still suffering we 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 both we both suffered yes, as far as the amount of teaching that we did because we wanted to well do something outside of outside of that cookie cutter program right. you get blacklisted and then a lot of the i mean the, the shops themselves are like dude just get them in dip them dunk them sell yeah. them move them we got a program to do yeah and the gear you want or the gear you push is not the gear I need to push. Sure, because it right? doesn't fit into their 
no. buying level programs exactly. that the, that the sales reps are trying yeah. to put them into. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's a big cycle a that, that keeps the majority of those businesses in that loop. Right. And what we've said is they're stuck selling snorkels right. and split fins because that's the only way they can make a buck. So you're it, stuck it, in mediocrity. You're, yeah. You've, but you've put yourself in mediocrity where you and I have always said, we think you can be successful and and strive to be the best and i think there's some shops out there doing that um if you are a shop like that i'd love to hear you you know send us a message say this is what i do this is how i do it yeah and i'm successful so it's not a fairy tale it can happen and it does happen well because we got uh, a message from your buddy out in alaska there's one right right there right there Uh, those are guys i love i've been i had been out to alaska teaching classes back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s and love the place. And old Scott Anderson was the owner. Um, he's still involved, I think, in some way. But Ron Francher, I believe, is the new manager and owner. And we got uh, some of the some of the folks that are patrons out there uh, are sending us messages. Yeah, we yeah we gotta we gotta give a shout out to the one guy, right? We had he uh, sent us a message. Uh, loves the show, uh, John so. Draska. John, old John, out there at Dive Alaska. Shout out, Johnny. Johnny Boy. Yes. Thanks for listening, brother, and thanks for promoting the show. And li- and I mean, yeah, he they says ordered he, he's a, they got ordered a lot a of guys. Of, uh, ordered a ton of stickers, and they're slapping them all over everything yeah, up there in Alaska. Yeah. Slapping them on on dive tanks. Slapping them on cop cars. Slapping them on moose. They're putting those stickers everywhere. Also, John's on the uh, Alaska State SAR team, search and rescue team. So the dive search and rescue team so shout out to those guys he's got a lot of guys he said turned on to the old great dive podcast awesome awesome and uh hopefully uh those uh those rescue teams up there are are taking away a little bit of benefit of what we say with cleanliness in the water and it only help it only only helps helps, man it only helps your your expertise and how you, uh, you know, man, because so many of the, the the rescue teams, I mean, and I've worked with a, a, a bunch of the the Detroit area guys, and it's it's just, they're, just they're them. so they're, expecting they're so expecting to be in such bad viz that they, they just don't, don't care. give a damn. Mm-hmm. They just go down and, and immediately it's it's crash and walk and. But why would you make it hand? worse? Is my thing, right? I, I'm with you, man. I'm hundred percent with you. It's no no use of working in zero visit the entire time exactly why would you make things worse for the majority of the time okay um hey lots of shout outs to, to people thank you to everyone who is a patreon sponsor coming up uh you are going to be hearing the first little patreon checkout dive that brando and i are doing with uh, some really awesome people to give you guys a completely different perspective little interview series that we were going to start up over on the Patreon. So everybody who's members of any dollar level over there will get that. So thank you, everyone there. Yes, thank you, thanks. everyone who's donated on PayPal, everybody who's ordered a couple stickers, T-shirts, everything, and the people who are sending in emails, uh, sending little messages on Facebook, uh, are active on commenting on Facebook. Thank you to everybody. We really appreciate it. Ditto. Yeah, what he said. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what you, you can tell. You can tell you're serious because besides what James said, I really want to say thank you. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, should we uh, should we get to work? Can you call this work? Oh, this is work. Really? 
Tiffany and I were up all night last night. I bet you were. <laughs> no, we were uh, researching. Sure. Is that, is that what you call it nowadays? Yeah. You kids. You Tiffany. youngsters. Tiffany, come over here and bring the notebook. <laughs> Tiffany, I dropped my, my pen. Will you pick that up? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Did we say welcome to the Great Dive Podcast? Did we, did we get that? Welcome to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. <laughs> With your hosts, Jamesy and Brando. Old Welcome Brando. back, everybody. Um, yeah, so we're getting into some stuff with our good buddy Gareth, Gareth Locke. Gareth Locke from across the pond. Uh, very, uh, I don't know, we, we've, we've talked about Gareth before, and that's because we like what he has to say, and we find it very beneficial to our viewpoints as far as how we look at diving and and uh we think you guys might too yeah a lot of the stuff that we've been doing for a while he's bringing really he's working really hard at bringing to the forefront of the industry and he's finally making some some nice waves as he should is well deserved the man is a hard-working man who's out there and he does a lot of writing and on top of that he's smart he gets it i mean uh he he's unmurkying the waters of of dive accidents not not just diving i mean the man works he does the same type of consulting uh and education for other high risk endeavors like the health field uh the oil and gas industry the aeronautical industry you know flying planes um he's got a background in the royal air force but he's um is is this these human factors or what he keeps coming across with is these non-technical skills having a real strong focus in practicing and learning and studying that portion of the the game rather than everyone everyone's really quick to throw a class about buoyancy yeah. control and or throw a class about frog kick, bag kicking yeah. frog kicking throw a class about dealing with the stage bottle the- nobody's really making the effort on looking at the way the human brain works and or more importantly tends to react in situations exactly that's a good way to put it we are very reactive even if you don't want to be it's it's our natural tendency to react to situations and what gareth does is he goes through accidents mishaps in the water and instead of just you know this culture of blame we have if you want to call it a culture the, the, this thing where we've got to blame someone is he says, well, let's really look at what's going on. There's mistakes being made, but but mistakes should be expected because we're human. And, and that's exactly what he's talking about when he says human factors. And, right, and right, right. Well, the, you and, and it's so quick to look at an accident and go, well, yeah, he left his buddy. Well, yeah. of, course, uh, of course they're going to have a problem. And what he's trying to get people to say is, well, Why? when you have that, mm-hmm. when you have the whole story like we do at the end, you have that bias right. of being able to look after the fact rather than looking at all these stages along the way that you can see that led up to the buddy separation, Mm -hmm. right? You'll see that leaving the buddy was a result of many other factors that could have been, you know, could have been dealt with differently or his behavior could have been changed by education more than likely. Yeah, so he's getting a lot of press. Uh, just in the brand new uh, dive training magazine that uh, just came uh, into the local dive shop yesterday. There's a little blurb at the beginning of it talking about the book. Right. I was going to say, it's a new book he got out. Uh, he, yeah, he's under published, pressure. I should say, Under Pressure, uh, which is great. Uh, Fantastic we've, book. We both read it. 
uh, love it. We've got a review up there under uh, Garrett's uh, website. I thought it was a great book. It was well written, but what I really liked in it, maybe I'm jumping the gun here for you because I know you're you, the gun, James E. likes you to go. have a little Just rehearsed go right show. To the end. Let's start with the. Why don't we start with the end? One of us has to stick to our original credo with the show, I which is idea. it's spontaneous babble. I'm, I got an idea. How about we start with <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody? <laughs> Sign my logbook. Oh. And by the way, yeah. But. What I liked about it was he had the real-life incidents. He had the actual divers writing in about things that they've done. Yeah, stories that he's collected that uh, people have been sending in to him that, that have taken place over, over years. Yes, stories uh, for, from well-known divers. Yeah. High, high, uh, what's the word? High-visibility divers, if that's the right High-profile. High-profile, that's it. Right, that, um, that are often would be like the the story that you wouldn't tell. Right. You'd right. be a little embarrassed maybe because you made what you consider quote unquote a stupid mistake. Yeah. And hum- thankfully humbling humbling or, mistakes mm-hmm. that, that people have come away from. And uh he's been able to take those stories, bring this idea of the human diver into it and come away with a fantastic book. Right. I agree. And I he's concur- uh and he's just uh, got a fantastic Article that he wrote for the Canadian Diver Magazine, which, as we all know, is one of my favorites out there. It's a beauty, eh? It's a beauty, eh? Beauty Magazine, eh? Take off, hoser. Yeah, so his article is entitled, Learn How to Up Your Mental Game. It's a great little, uh, like, four or five page article with some great little tips talking about your mental decision making on a dive and how your brain kind of works and the, the silly mistakes that we make. And I, I think it's a, a good primer for w- what he is trying to accomplish in that book under pressure. Mm-hmm. He starts off by saying, looking at diving incident reports, it's apparent that the accident was nearly always the result of poor decision making. It's easy to say this in hindsight because we have the information that the diver didn't have. We know the outcome. And this biases our view of the situation. In the heat of the moment, we have a limited capacity to process information. We are expecting certain things to happen. And we have drivers like time and money and peer pressure or goals that lead us a certain way. As a result, we make decisions which don't appear to be rational in the cold light of day. Yeah, the other thing, and he's probably going to go into it, is your own personal history or experience. Absolutely. That's a huge factor in your decision-making. And that's what a lot of people don't see when you make what they consider a dumb a dumb mistake or a dumb decision. Dumb, if that's the right word. Foolish, whatever. Well, yeah, because we are... We, when you need to make a decision right now, yeah. right? Because something's happening underwater. Because you're limited to the depth that you're at, the thermal characteristics of the dive, yeah, maybe the certainly the gas the that you have definitely. in the tank, what your little computer's flashing for your no decompression time remaining. You got mm-hmm. all these factors coming in. You don't have the time to really sit there and logically process the decision a lot of times. It's just a snap judgment that's based off of your past history. Experience, uh, Your man. experiences. Yeah. This is why I preach experience. I preach it. It's, like, you know, it's great you've got certain... Uh, certifications or you you dove certain places but how much experience do you have in various environments i think that plays a bigger bigger role at least as big a role if not bigger 
than getting certain training. Well, yeah, yeah. Because I know a lot of people that have done, that have been to 200 feet. And they have no and, business and, and down And they've lived yeah. to yeah. 200 feet. So they believe right. they've got it down now. So they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's their... That's the, I mean, and, and I know Gareth talks about this stuff, especially in the book, and I'm not gonna, I'm only going to briefly talk, touch on this, is when you fuck up and you live through it, now you've reinforced the fuck up. You've said, well, this is my, my level, my threshold of fuck upness, and I can do that again because I lived through it once. Right. But, and the, the, but the, the, the scary part and the, the real damaging part for that diver and really the industry as a whole is the fact that that person doesn't even realize it's a fuck up. You don't know what you don't know, man. And we've said that before. They're just you going. Don't know what they're you just going dive, and they go to the the two hundred foot mark, and they, mm-hmm. they they come back, not even aware of all the potential problems. Yes, that they've set up. Well, that yeah. they, they just luckily uh, they're not uh, aware. meandered the right way. Yeah. Right. Well, to quote Donald Rumsfeld from the eighties, is it eighties? No, to we have knowns and unknowns. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> the speech? I, I think he said that in the 80s, too. Well, I can't remember but when it was. It was. At, uh, but oh, it was, actually, it but was after it was 9-11. A, that was at a frat party. It was after was 9-11. <laughs> it was after 9-11. Secretary of uh, Defense, Donald Rumsfeld. But he said, you know, you have knowns and unknowns, and then you have known unknowns, in other words, things that you know you don't know. And then you have unknowns, un- unknown unknowns, which is you don't even know that you don't know them. And that's... That's the thing. Absolutely. The things you you don't even know that you don't know. And that was what I try to get across to students are, listen, you don't know it all. You don't. And the person who, who has and, and, known unknowns, like, oh, here's what I don't know, but I don't need to know and that. And the important thing is I can't even teach you all of it. Oh, yeah. Even if I teach you everything that there is to know, you still don't know everything because you don't have the most important part, which is knowing in a different way, which comes from experience. Right. Right. You can learn every possible thing that there is to know, but you still don't have it all because you have to have the do it part. I would argue that I do have it all. <laughs> if you said it's everything. Yeah. You just, again, and we go back to, well, you, you can't teach somebody every single thing they may encounter. And this is where, what Gareth is getting at. You can't, you can't teach them every single mishap, circumstance, uh, accident or problem they may encounter. But what he's trying to do is teach you a way of thinking, a philosophy, if you will, an ism, an ideology of diving, an approach where you're, you at least have a fluid and flexible mind to understand like, A, you're going to make mistakes, so we're going to fail, but let's fail safely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're going to, like in, in, a, in a good class, you're going to learn how to air share. You're going to learn how to air share with, with the, the diver on your right side. You're going to learn how to air share with the diver on your left side. And you're going to learn how to air share, you know, facing each other or, or single file following each other. Right? That's all important. Those are what he t- calls those technical skills. Mm-hmm. Right? The other part of it is the thinking and the decision right. making of positioning yourself in the way to best accommodate the situation, which is really difficult to teach in the class when you're trying to sit there and you got a finite amount of time to learn the technical skill. Right. It's the the long-term exposure which is going to give that competence in the water and the decision-making in the water and the comfort and the awareness to, to be in the situation. 
Right. Well, exactly. And, and the key word there was the long-term exposure. That's, in other words, that's experience, continued experience. And I think what, what Garrett's book is also trying to do, though, is if you don't have the experience, this is a way for you to get experience and be able to view the experience, actually analyze it and say, why did I do what I did? Or why did they do what they did? And was that the correct was it, I mean, you may have had a quote-unquote successful outcome, but it wasn't because of what you did, in other uh, words. Right, you know. right. You got lucky. Yes, exactly. Because that, that, that same situation easily could have ended in fatality. Right, and that's the thing is you've got to be able to recognize that too. You've got to under, understand and recognize, I just got lucky. I can't let it get to this point again, you know, or I can't put myself in those circumstances again i have to figure out why why did i do what i did kind of thing. i don't know if that's yeah no, absolutely, if right? you read the book you'll understand exactly what i'm talking about yeah because i mean it easily could be a situation of you know waking up uh late missing the alarm mm-hmm. uh rushing to your uh buddy's house uh getting a speeding ticket along the way <laughs> yeah. um yeah you know being pissed off and then bringing up some old dive because uh, he was supposed to drive this time and uh, you weren't, so now you're pissed at uh, your dive buddy and you take that into the water with you, which puts you in a different mental state oh, for yeah. the dive and then that's where... And you've got a large so knife on your calf because <laughs> so that's, that's the, how you were taught. So the snowball starts rolling. <laughs> there's a shark. <laughs> so, and you it, remember, I don't have to be the fastest swimmer, just faster than my buddy. You give him a little, this is for pissing me off. Yeah, so it was so it wasn't just that you guys got tangled up in line right. inside of a shipwreck. Right. Right. It was the all the po- other shit. It was the poor line running, the bad placement of the line, the not being tuned in it was when you Officer were when you're Cody. the wreck. All the way up to yes, all the way up to that back before that yeah. you took that baggage into the dive with you. Oh yeah. Well that's the that's the thing. We take all kinds of baggage with us. It do, it does not go away. Right, so you have to under, understand it, plan for it, learn how to fail safely. In other words, you're you're gonna fail. Learn learn why and how. Well, and, that's and why do it safely. you know when you look at a class, you know, like this essentials one I've got coming up this week. Forget that's what about you it. do. That's what you do a lot is fail. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's an important part of learning. I mean, almost every other class out there is handshake. Congratulations, you passed. Handshake. Congratulations, you passed. Here's your next card. Here's your next class. There's few classes out there where the instructor looks at you and goes, no. not good enough. Yeah. Not good enough. You can do better. And mm-hmm. that's what... Well, that's what a good class is supposed to be about. And that's, you know, you don't really learn from your successes so much as you learn from your, your mistakes and your failure failures if you're smart. Yeah, damn right. Right, if you leave your ego to the side and say, I, I got to learn from this. Gareth mentions that research shows that in order... Research shows that in the order of 95% of decisions are made in an automatic, subconscious manner, and we don't actively think about them. I'd, yeah. yeah, and that's what a good class is going to show you, right, is you're going to be able to come up from a dive and, and see the pattern that you make, all those idiosyncrasies that you have that leads you to keep doing these same mistakes over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Oh, yeah. Right? It's not... Like if we look at you know the a technical skill of buoyancy and trim, it's not that your buoyancy and trim sucks. It's all these other things that you're doing along the way that leads to the bad right. buoyancy and the bad trim. Right. Well, the, 
it's it just goes to a whole lot of issues in the diving world you know deep air even you can look at a deep air with this right like everything that the argument for deep air is based upon you if you look at it and break down each one of the the reasons you're like those aren't real good reasons you know uh like the, i can't get helium don't do the dive if you can't get helium you don't go to 200 feet right i, like, I get that if, if this was 1985 and we were having this discussion i get it and there's but it's 2019 right exactly and even even in 1985 there were a lot of people like it should be done on helium there were smart people going wait a minute this should be done on helium there's no place for the narcosis or you know the argument for not using 100% O2 all the things that we do you know it's like 100% O2 the PO2s are too much you know no the PO2s are the exact same PO2s as that 80% you're using at, at 30 feet it's the exact same PO2s right it's still 1.6 <laughs> but wait it's not as safe what do you mean it's it's the partial part anyway so he gets into the need for a high level of ability in your technical skills is going to make the non-technical skills easier mm-hmm. right and this is one this is one area that people struggle to understand is cuz they they just you know they they, <laughs> they they just want to just give it to me all right now yeah. or or they'll do the opposite and they'll focus so much on just the kick that they're missing the everything else everything yeah. else around on that all that the other awareness level. yep yeah. so and what he's saying is that a diver with a high level of technical competency and or who has amassed experience across a wide range of environments will have an improved capacity for situational awareness that is focused outside their immediate thought processes and diving skills. You think. This is very martial artist, uh, isn't it? Absolutely. Is, you constantly train the one motion, one movement, and it seems like this this training is... It's fucking painstaking. It's uh, it takes time. Sure, it's the the five years of carrying the water right. bucket up and right. down the it's hill. It's Mr. Miyagi yeah. shit, man. Yeah. And if you can see through it and go, well, listen, I'm learning to make these movements or these skills. They're actually going to be, you know, inbred to my DNA. To that's what you're aiming for. Like this is just me. I have good buoyancy control because. It's in my blood, and I can't not have good buoyancy control. I have a good frog kick because I can't not. I wouldn't know how to do a, a bad frog kick anymore because I've done a good frog kick for so long. Right, it's been right. pounded into me by a good instructor. You know, those. that's what you're looking for. So when that stuff comes naturally, those split seconds that you need in an emergency are not wasted on I got to think about buoyancy I got to think about a propulsion yeah. kick. Or you say, I'm not even going to think about it, and you automatically go down into, you know, destroy the clay bottom in your cave and kill somebody. Mode. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. If, you, if you have to think right before the air share, am I in, am I in trim? Am I in balance? <laughs> I, can I stop? You're still in training. Can man. I stop without yeah. using my hands? <laughs> yeah, you are, you are not. You don't there. have the skill yeah. down yet. You don't yeah. have that technical skill down yet. And I think that's what it, what Gareth's getting at is the more you have the basic technical skills, buoyancy control, propulsion technique, uh, knowing your equipment inside and out, you have that stuff down, you're not thinking about that. Your mind can actually put some energy and even that split second more you have into a, a decision, an actual decision, not a reaction so much as a decision of this is how we we you know move forward and get ourselves out of this 
situation. Truth. Hashtag true facts. That's just my two cents. And, I, and this is oh, yeah. what goes through my mind when I was reading, you know, we've been exposed to, uh, to yeah, Gareth so, for years. So when I first heard him, I'm like, well, this is a lot of what he says makes so much sense to me because it's already been in my right, head from other mentors. Other classes that yeah. we've been doing for the yeah. last 20 years, 20 years you and yeah, I, right? of, of knowing good divers and right. it, fortunately yeah, being not, instructed. And by then him. now you'll open up, you know, almost any scuba textbook <laughs> and it says yeah make sure you have good situational awareness but what does that right. mean dude right yeah exactly right it's, it's easy to write it down it's hard to to teach it it's more than just writing it, it down right i know now 20 years ago when you and i first got exposed to it it was, wasn't even written wasn't even in the book yeah they, they couldn't even put the letters together well now the instructors it's, now it's in the book but it's yeah. not being done oh, yeah. in real, real life well that's because, because they're still missing the point they're missing the point huge because all they see is a business model. They see that that group of people stealing. They make sense, and the people recognize they make sense, so they're stealing our money that we could potentially have. What, do they, do, yeah, what do they have that's in their class that we don't? Right, situational awareness. Well, throw that in the book. It, you can write situational yes. awareness yes, down the, on 100 different pages. Guy, yeah, then the big guy can come in and say, oh, we got that too. Yeah, look, Which, page you know, 189. Yeah, yeah, 10 years ago we didn't. But now we've got that yeah. too. It's not the same class. It's not dude. the same. It's just it's just like when you see somebody in trim and doing good propulsion. Great, that's awesome. That doesn't mean they get it. That doesn't mean they have situational awareness. That doesn't mean it's a good start because with without those without those skills, like we were just saying, it's hard to move forward. Correct. But my my criticism on those people is that's where they stop. They believe they've got it. Truth. They they bought the back plate. They got the wing. They think that's it. Oh, it's it's. They got the jet they got, fins with spring they the, straps. Once I got they got it. the yeah. Once they got the back kick in a long hose. I'm yeah. awesome. So he talks he talks about biases and heuristics. Heuristics. The you might want to explain what heuristics are to people because the shortening of the mental process. Heuristics. I know a lot of people who have heuristics. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a thought analysis process, trying to ease up the thinking process. <laughs> well, if you want a, a definition like from, from a dictionary, like, heuristic, heuristic is the study, heuristics is the study and use of heuristic techniques. Oh, that explains everything. <laughs> I'm just like, heuristic is a heuristic process or it's, method. Uh, it's a, it's like, the... It's the trial and error method of learning. To prevent biases and heuristics catching us out, we need to recognize when such critical situations are likely to happen and raise our game when it comes to monitoring the situation. Okay, heuristic, a, a good something that will allow people, I think, to identify immediately what heuristic is, is like a rule of thumb, is a heuristic example of something. Go on. Like uh, thirds gas. It's a rule of thumb we kind of go by. It's heuristic in the sense of we go by that rule. It's an easy for thing to remember. Easy. It's built off of a whole lot of examples that have worked. Got it. Okay. Yep. So that's an easy, that is a very basic, basic definition or an example of heuristic. Right. And uh, just by throwing out there that, hey, we're, we're, we always dive with the rule of thirds, man. Well, yeah. sometimes that's not good enough. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And this is what he means when he says... 
to prevent biases and heuristics catching us out, we need to recognize when such critical situations are likely to happen and raise our game when it comes to monitoring the situation. One way of covering this when diving is to use a formal brief that includes bottom time and a minimum gas that is predicated on sharing gas for the ascent at the end of the dive. The brief might also include something that covers any previous experience that might shape or frame decision making. Right. Like you're going to need more than thirds on this dive because I've been here before. This might take you longer to get out of than it took to get in, you know, especially if you're going in a siphon. There's some really good definitions of heuristics. Well, you know, he gives gives a couple of of interesting, we'll come back to these. Uh, So he he does a couple of these. So in a lake, this is a good little thing for answering some uh, some heuristics. Okay, perfect. This is fun. In a lake. In a lake, there's a patch of lily pads. Every day, the patch doubles in size. If it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake, how long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake? 47. 24 or 47? 47. Wow. Come on. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> just it t- not bad, Brando. If it takes... You go backwards. If it takes five machines, five minutes... To make five widgets, how long would it take 100 machines to make 100 minute widgets? 100 minutes. 100 minutes or five minutes? 100 minutes. Is it one machine, one minute? If it takes five machines, oh. five minutes to make five widgets, oh, how long would it take 100 machines to make 100 widgets? Oh, well, five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Right, so again, that mean yeah, yeah, that being that yeah. that little quick response. <laughs> I got the one. It would take one minutes. Seventeen and a half minutes. <laughs> All that. Let me put that into my quadratic formula. <laughs> yeah, five minutes. Right, it's still taking uh, five minutes to make the widget. Uh, a bat and a ball cost one dollar and ten cents. The bat costs one dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? This is <laughs> a, this I is know, a tough and I, 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 this is a tough one. Yeah, because you've got to put it in a little five. algebra formula. You do have to put it into yeah. an algebra formula. Yes, the, so this one was driving me insane. The bat costs one dollar more than the ball, right? Yes, that's what we're getting at. And both of them together cost a dollar ten. So, yeah, if I could write it out, of so, course, my brain is yeah. So yeah, it, it's, a plus b it's equals a dollar ten. You got x plus ten plus x equals the dollar ten. Right. Yeah. Right. So it is. Or yeah, like I, you put so, A plus B equals dollar so ten, and A equals so two X B plus equals a dollar. Ten cent yeah. difference. Yeah. And X is half of that, which is five cents. Yeah. Well, those are good questions. But, but I mean, cause, cause, when you what, look what at it immediately, you're like, oh, oh yeah, well, the dollar you, more has got to be a dime. Right. The quick, like, yeah, no. the, the quick thought is, yeah, just yeah, the yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The half one I worked backwards from. It's a real easy one because you go, okay. If, to be halfway, it's one day before because it doubles. Right. I got that one pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. I got the second one uh, that you totally fucked, fucked up. up yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that one, but I I will admit the, the, I, I paused yeah. and scratched my head thinking about it. I mean, I was like, uh, no, it's, it's it's the same. Five minutes. Yeah. Right? I've had these questions before when I'm writing them down. Yeah, the, the first so you one, know, I can go. The okay, first one, I was okay, pulling okay, my hair out. I was like, honey, honey. <laughs> What is that? Why am I? What is going on? And then she's a, you know, she's a total, yeah, like nerdy math nerd. Yeah. And she's like, immediately, she's got this algebra formula. I'm like, son of a bitch, you're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she goes, she goes, uh, five cents, 
I'm like, what? How'd you get that? And then she like she grabs a pen and a paper yeah. goes, yeah. right? I'm like, shit, algebra. I remember that stuff. Well, that's where it comes in handy for these silly little riddles. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but you can see, and this is where he's going with this, is you don't have the ability to sit there in the moment and apply logic in a lot of situations right. that happen underwater. Right. And you need that type two system of thinking, mm-hmm. which he's going to talk about here. So he says that two key researchers, Kahneman and Tversky, who subsequently won the Nobel Prize for Economics, developed a theory which described decision-making under the context of System 1 and System 2. System 1 is a fast, intuitive, and automatic decision-making based on biases, heuristics, and mental shortcuts. There's very little control involved, and most of the time the answers are good, or rather they are good enough. Right, adequate. Right. And a lot of times, that's A-OK. And I think the issue that most people face is being a human on land, good enough is just that. It's OK. It's good yeah, enough. Yeah. But good enough underwater. You don't have time to adjust. Yeah. System two is a more logical and methodical way of processing information. However, system two has a couple of downsides. Firstly, it takes considerable time to collect the data and process it so its relevance can be determined and a plan of action created before a choice is made. The action is executed and feedback observed. Time that is often not available in modern life and normally not available when underwater with a finite gas source. Secondly, system two requires mental energy to process. Humans are very efficient creatures, and anything we can do to reduce mental effort is a good thing. We could say we are lazy or efficient, depending on whether you are being positive or critical. Crucially, we need to consciously implement System 2 when there is a decision which can't be easily reversed. So the problem with System Mm. 2, you know, even on land, I mean, it, it takes time. To sit time there, and energy, yeah. get the information, sit down, logically mm-hmm. think about it, put it together, look at, okay, I could do A or B, and uh, well, uh, these are my pros and cons, these are right. my pros and cons, so I'm going to go with B based off of the information that I have relevant in front of me. Doesn't work when someone's eyeballs are like as big as their mask and yeah. they're flashing yeah. down their hand across their throat swimming at you 100 miles an hour not that that's the only problem you're ever go- going to encounter underwater right. right that's the thing that's really the thing and as you go through Garrett's book and he and you go through the stories you'll see there's not a whole lot of i'm out of gas situations they're way more complex the the issues that they've come in come across or they're multiple you know yeah yeah for sure but they in in, in the same sense they're especially for technical divers, there are things that any of us could run into. Yeah, just a, just a lot of just silly mistakes that snowball. Or thought processes. Into, into chaos. Or you, you're doing what you, even some of them you're thinking you're doing everything right because that's how you've always done it. And then it hits you. I haven't been doing it right. I can't just do, I can't use my heuristic method all the time. I have to think. This is why we often described those involved in accidents, incidents, or near misses as being complacent. They were doing something without thinking about it. I describe complacency in a manner that is based on outcome. If we do something that uses mental shortcuts and we don't have an adverse event, most people would call that efficiency. But if the same actions based on previous experiences result in an adverse event, then it's complacency. 
This dichotomy is because we are subject to two biases called outcome bias and hindsight bias, and they massively impact our future decision-making processes. If nothing went wrong, then it must have been okay. What needs to happen to correct this mindset is to have a debriefing that doesn't just look at outcomes, but also process. True. That's another thing to point out in the book is he gives you a debrief method that you can do quickly and and efficiently, uh, which is what you don't see in a lot of dives is a good debrief. Correct. A good debrief, not a, okay, Well, you did this, the typical but, debrief is we made our descent and we saw the frogfish. <laughs> Everybody okay. crashed into the coral head and killed the frogfish trying to take the picture of the <laughs> yeah. frogfish. Well, they're only doing a debrief if something turned out wrong or they're only pointing out the wrong things, the mistakes. Bingo. When ideally a debrief covers what you did right, what you did wrong, what you would change or wouldn't change. Uh you know, yeah, and, and from he, all the team members. And he gives us, you know, four high-level questions that we should be looking at. What did I do well and why? What do I need to improve on and how am I going to fix that later? What did the team do well and why? What does the team need to do to improve and how are we going to fix that? He goes on to talk about checklists. System one behaviors are there to provide mental shortcuts in well-practiced situations and save time. However, sometimes we need to intentionally slow people down so they don't assume something is in place. This is what checklists do. They intentionally create system two behavior when it is crucial that something is done correctly first time around. True. Did you see that little little blurb about 90% of surgeons say, no, I don't want to use a checklist, don't need it? Ten. Uh, only 10% of surgeons say they would prefer to have surgery done without a checklist. Yeah, he's got yeah. that in here. Oh, does he? he does, okay. yeah. I thought it was okay. it was interesting. Like, okay, here's a what society would view as a smart group of people. Intelligent. Right. Skilled, highly responsible. And you ask them about this kind of stuff. And you can see the biases right there. You can see there's there's an issue there, there in the sense of they're very quick to go when when they're not the one on the chopping block, <laughs> right, right, they're they're they re, they believe that their own mental acuity, their own skills are high enough that they don't need or require a checklist. But if they're under the knife, they don't trust their brothers and sisters. Correct, and it's actually ninety thirty. Ninety thirty. Oh, okay, but, okay, but, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. You're, you're right on track, yeah. right? So, it, and it and you see a lot of that in in diving. Uh, you see a lot of that even just in just basic open water scuba instructors that don't want to have their little cue card right because it makes them look like they're not the superhero mm-hmm. instructor that already knows everything you know uh, uh, I've got the whole thing memorized versus the the instructor who's going down the list of yes we did this yes we did this yes we did this yes we right. did this you know making sure all of the, the skills done, have been yeah. covered and they're right? teaching to because a person you, not a, a Fast and you, food, yeah. And you, you don't get need to a checklist a level, if you're putting out McDonald's fast food burgers. Yeah, and when you get to a level of, when you get to a level of higher level diving, right, where there where there is more ego involved, you see the people that they don't want to admit, even though they just got their technical card last weekend, they don't want to admit that they're not an already highly experienced technical diver, so they're not going to go through that nerdy little new guy checklist because right. i've already got it memorized in my head do you know who i am 
<laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> I got my card right here. Yeah, so there, there's some ego in there, and, and that's what he was saying. Is um, but he, he does go on to also mention the other side of checklists as well. Of they're not the save all. Right? Checklists right. can be bad too. They can be too long. Mm-hmm. They cannot cover the. They can be written in a way that doesn't really trigger the the mental response that needs right. to trigger. So there's a right way and a wrong way to do the checklist. It's lackadaisical too. If you yeah. keep doing the same thing over and over, and you, yeah. So there's a balance to it yeah. that you need. He gives us uh, he he kind of closes the second half of this article talking about seven ways that you can improve your decision making underwater. And the first one is with a good dive briefing, kind of doing what what you and I have done for years with a dive briefing. Just make it entertaining. Tell a few jokes. Uh, I don't know. Things like that. Shake it up a little. Amusing anecdotes in the dive briefing usually keep the keep the audience. Well, no, the opposite of that. Enraptured. So, it, so that's kind of what your typical. <laughs> so that's kind of what your typical dive briefing is has always been. Right? It's the, the typical dive master dive briefing, like like. Question. You and I learned when we did our Patty Dive Master. How many originally. Dive Masters does it take to put in a light bulb? <laughs> Everybody knows this. <laughs> Seven. Knock, knock. Who's there? The Dive Master. You know, the so you learned the, like the 10-point dive briefing in your original open water, you know, or your original Dive Master program of you give the site name, site description, what your role is going to be, what the entry and exit techniques should be the dive procedures emergency procedures do your signal review do your buddy checks uh give a quick environmental awareness and remind everybody to do their begin with review and friend BRAF. that's gonna be uh versus what what he's saying good is, rapper name BRAF. again that's a that's a good general dive briefing that the boat's going to give but that's not really sufficient for you and your teammates in the water right you guys should be going through your own dive briefing not just taking that one where Mm -hmm. you're going through the sequencing of the dive Mm -hmm. who's going to be where who's doing what who's leading who's doing what on the dive where you're going to be positioned on the dive what your gas plan is for the dive what you're starting with what you're planning on ending with what your turn pressures are so everybody's on page time-wise based off of gas and where we're going what we're doing for deco how far we're going what direction we're moving all of those things are in our awareness right situational awareness and yeah you, you should brief them um and the other thing that it's your team are you guys going in with the same base in other words do you have the same training are you it, it's one thing to like brief, okay, these are you familiar with these signs and whatnot? But when you're talking about those open water cl- classes and or open water s- people that are basic open water and going out on a dive, they all have a, a slew of different equipment. Sure. Right? They're not in the, which also means they have a slew of different mindsets. They have a slew of different ways they handle emergencies. I can promise you that the whole group doesn't know how each one handles an emergency. Right, you know, which is you know what we've been doing for years is that is a uniformity key, man. key part of the beginning of each of these dives is everybody's on that same page. Right, you got to have some uniformity, and then everybody on the on the dive knows this is this is what we're aiming to do on the right. dive, and this is the definitely beyond what we're going to do on this dive. Mm-hmm. The we're not even going there on this one zone. Right, the number of the count shall be three, no more, no less. Five is way out, so that's what you have to say. Listen, you're not going to five, bitches. The number of the count is three. 
Two is not enough. Four, too much. Five is way out. So yeah, I think the Holy Grail, Monty Python Holy Grail said it best. <laughs> Debriefings. We get better or change our behaviors based on feedback. If the feedback is wooly and lacks detail, then it is definitely to focus on what needs to be reinforced, the good stuff, and what needs to be changed, the bad stuff. If the debrief is about platitudes and backslapping, then improvement is unlikely to be rapid if it happens at all. At the same time, if someone is rubbish, rubbish. If someone is rubbish at a skill, don't say you are rubbish. Say you're, you're back- shit. <laughs> 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 rubbish is a British term. We would just say you're shit. You look like tell shit, them, man. Tell well, it's not that. What he's saying is, it's not that they are shit. It's the back. We're kick all shit. The back kick shit. Oh well, then yeah, you have right. to say that to students a lot. Right, like, right. listen, if I tell you, you you suck at any particular endeavor here, skill doesn't mean you as a human being go out and slit your wrist. You're done here. It just means you need to work on your diving. That's all I know about. You could look at me and go, you suck as a human. Yeah, but, yeah, but I can I can back kick, fucker. You can't. That's why you came to me. Clearly. You didn't come here to learn to be a better person because you'd go to somebody else for that, like James. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says that one of the most one of the most commented upon things about the classes that he teaches is the power of the debrief. The power of the debrief uh, is great in you, young Jedi. However... It needs to be open, honest, and frank. Platitudes and generalities don't work. So when you're debriefing, if you're trying to accomplish something, you have to cover the things that went wrong. Not just Especially help. with Frank. Yes. Be yes. frank with Frank. <laughs> Listen to the voice in your head, and don't be afraid to say no. Kill the divers. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> that, <Ted> bad, Bundy. <laughs> that, that bad gut feeling is often loud and clear when you hear it in hindsight. It is there when you are on your dive too. However, often we don't want to listen to it. Right? Any, again, anyone can thumb a dive at any point, he goes on to mention. Well, you have to make that uh, you in your to, group. You have when, to make when, that. When something's like, not going right, trust, the, the last the, trust you, your gut, yeah, man. It's so easy to just call the dive, come up, mm-hmm. and we can come back and do it again when, when we're feeling yeah. confident about what's going on. That's so important. I mean, to me it is. And you, you'll see that a lot in these scenarios that he brings up in the book of, you know, five minutes in, yeah. they I knew, knew, they knew was it was, yeah. they, they shouldn't be there, and then they kept going and kept going and kept going, and an hour later, it's it's... It's too lo- it's too late to fix. Well, here here's the thing too. Listening to that voice, just try it once, and you'll be like, oh, okay, this is easy, and this and I feel good now. And if it comes up again, you're much easier to go. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm done. Be aware, right, of that system one that he talked about, and he mentions that look where those d- system one decision making could get you into trouble. System one is the term for the automatic cognitive behaviors we have. In the majority of cases, its application works out fine. However, when we are operating in complex and dynamic situations where we can't afford to make a mistake, we need to slow down. Unfortunately, that's not the tendency, though. People start speeding up. Well, yeah. You watch students, especially, they start moving fast and jerky. And yeah, especially when you've when you've got 
that goal of needing to get things done, right? right. And then it mm-hmm. really spirals out of control of, of being in a hurry and just get this last thing done and add this to it. And we're almost there. We can get this in. Mm-hmm. And this is where all the skill comes in. When the skills are so practiced, you don't need to hurry. The things will happen. The goals are accomplished. You're not worried about, uh, you know. And reinforcing that system two mentality, he mentions that slow down to reduce time stressors. If you are in a situation where you might be distracted or lose track of a series of mental tasks, seriously consider using a checklist that is either printed or verbally recalled and the item is touched to confirm the configuration. Idea being that the checklist forces you to slow down and then engage system two methodical and logical behaviors. Create an environment where others in your team can challenge you. It's another way to improve your decision making. I challenge you. No, 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 no. <laughs> I challenge thee to a duel. I dare you. Everybody makes mistakes. That includes you, even if you are an instructor or an instructor trainer. He's not talking about what me. What if you're he's an not, instructor he's trainer? Not, he's trainer. not talking about me. Is he? <laughs> James. <laughs> By creating a true team environment in which the instructor is one of the dive team rather than an outsider developing the team, it is much easier for the team to challenge the instructor if something isn't right. If that happens, the leader needs to accept that challenge and listen to what is being said. The team member, student, may have spotted something that the leader hadn't, something that could cost either them or someone else in the team their life. Everybody makes mistakes, right? I mean, it's... It's so easy when you got that little instructor card thinking that you're Superman, superhero, and everything you do is going to be perfect. Yeah, uh, I mean, just because you're the instructor in charge of the, of the weekend down at the training site doesn't put you beyond or above the ability to have a bad day start and start a chain of, of poor decision-making that oh, could put God, yeah. other instructors and students in a, in a bad situation. So yeah. if you're one of the others there... You need to be able to be in an environment where you can stop and say something. Well, and that's probably one of the biggest differences between a good instructor and a bad instructor. One of them is a good instructor is going, going to recognize they're not infallible. And they rely on their co-instructors. Like if, if they're fucking up, the co-instructor is able and you wouldn't be on them if they said, Hey, man, you missed this or what are you doing here? straighten up you know kind of thing they're not afraid to go and, and put them in check and it's taken like professional courtesy kind of, thank you I, I missed that or yeah I'm, I'm in a rush i've had a bad morning and things aren't going my way but if you have made it an environment where nobody is allowed is, to question you. yeah because you think you're some kind of hot shit whoa that's a bad class that's a bad that that is not a good instructor that is not an environment you want to be teaching in you wouldn't want to dive in a dive team like that no. where, where, where you couldn't question anyone, anyone on the in team. the dive team, right? Or you would be um, accosted physically and verbally if you questioned somebody in a dive team, by, yeah. right? You, I wouldn't want to dive in a group like that, and I wouldn't want to teach in a group like that either. Right. Well, and that's the, the whole thing about dive team. Whenever I've been with a dive team or had, we all are leader. We all are follower. All of us, we take we take turns on particular dives. Like you're going to lead this dive, I'm going to lead this, whatever. But at any given time, the other person may have to take over. So if you're diving in a team where one person is the God Almighty all the time, 
and he doesn't allow anybody else. Well, if anything ever happens that you have to take over the lead, you've never been prepared for it, number one. Yeah. Because you're afraid to, because this guy's made it, the environment so toxic that you don't want to uh, step in and, you know, possibly say, Your Majesty, you're making a mistake. Right. What kind? What kind of diving? No, not how fun. How is that fun? It's not fun. I'm yeah. with you. And, and it's not professional. It doesn't produce a, a great student. It doesn't produce good divers. And lastly, Gareth mentions to read incident reports with a mindset that is based on local rationality and learning, and not blame, which is really unless where, it's James' fault <laughs> <laughs> or my fault. Shit. <laughs> Unless it's <laughs> which is really where uh, the under pressure book goes, right. and the big movement that he's he's working on making throughout the industry with the human factors and the non technical training is trying to get rid of this blame the, culture, the, exactly right, and, yes. and have what's called just culture, which yep. is let's examine why this happened without placing the blame or worrying about the blame so much. Perfect, because he says no one gets up in the morning with the mindset of. Today is a great day to die or I don't know. Who was that guy that said or that? Or kill someone else. That was a big Indian, Native American Indian chief guy. Today is a good day to die. So people do get up like that. Okay. Let's try this again. <laughs> with uh, Without that perspective. Without that irrelevant perspective. Irrelevant? Well, how can it? It's the exact quote. Hang on. No one gets up in the morning with the mindset of today is a great day to die. Or injure myself or kill someone else. Whatever decisions they made must have made sense to them at the time with the skills that they had, with the mindset that they had, with the knowledge that they had, and with the drivers and pressures that they had. Put yourself in their shoes and try to understand their decision-making process. Then look at the systemic issues present and not just the individual behaviors to see what led to the actions that took place. I was right, though. It's Native American culture when they when they go into battle. Oh yeah, well, today okay. is a good I day agree, to die. So they did. Yes, according to Wikipedia. Well, if you're if you're looking to if you're looking to fight to the death, yes, a very good perspective. Oh, However, isn't that, isn't that every what we're day? trying to teach in this? All right, yeah. So back to back to what he was saying. Yeah, here, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, everybody, you look at the decisions that happened along the way. What put them in the position that, you know, or try to put yourself in their shoes of how they got to that spot in the dive where they made the decision that they made. Right. And which is difficult in a lot of accident reports if the victim themselves are dead. You can't really get their mindset. Right, because we lose that part. Right. But what he brings out, and this is great in the Under Pressure book, is they are told from the viewpoint of people, I think in most all of them, everybody lived kind of thing. There right, are a couple so you, where there so were fatalities, but you get the whole context. You get the factors that influence the decision-making because that's what Gareth asked these authors of these little mini stories, these events. I want your mindset. I want I want you to tell me what led up to your decision-making, right? I don't think we have time to go through. We don't. And I, I picked a couple, yeah. but... That is what I really liked about it is Gareth talks a lot about like it's in the culture we have right now in the in our dive community, they look at accidents and go, he did this and they put blame wherever with the whole thing revolved around revolving around trying to place blame. And it's only viewed from, 
you know, the outside looking in. You're not in the in the diver's head. You can't be because he's he or she is dead. So you don't know the context and you don't know the factors and the biases and the why did they make that decision. And like he always says, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to look back at X and go, yeah, he ran out of gas because he went down that cave without a line, you know, without a line. He's a dumbass. Why do he do that? Right. Because that he, goes against he, a lot of, yeah, a lot of shit. Right? Nobody's going to go into the, in the cave going, right. you know, I'm just going to go swimming through the cave without a line and uh, lose <laughs> exactly. their way and uh, die yeah, back there today. Exactly. Just uh, that's the kind of thing he, he is trying to point out is we have to get away from just going, he ran out of gas, so that's why he's a dumbass and... That's what we're going to chalk that one up to. He got tangled in a fishnet. He should have had a knife. We're going to chalk that one up. There's way more to it. And he's tr- the big thing I think Gareth would like to have is that this course or this information is part of the main agency's training curriculum. But you know what? It's going to be a tough one to sell. You know why? Because they want profit. They want profit. How can they make a buck off of this? Well, this isn't like a certificate, you know, you're not going to make a buck off of it. What's going to happen is your divers are going to be enlightened and you may reduce fatalities. That, that may be the ultimate goal, but that's, where, that's what I'm getting at in my criticism of the industry and the big agencies is they don't care about that. Not in the main sense. The ba- their first priority is, you know, stockholders get our wallets fatter and then diving, which is my criticism. It should be diving in our people. And then and and by well, the, uh, I, I byproduct the more, is we get rich. Well the more the more people like you and I and are talking about these things and enlightening, you know, the divers out on the on the And the big water. On the, the main divers on big water. Good day to die. <laughs> <laughs> and we are uh, you know bringing this attention to the, the ground level of divers that are gonna ground be level? asking Surface level, the shallow, the, the, yeah, the surface, surface level, the surface yeah. level of divers are going to start hearing about this more and more, and asking about it more and more. And then look at me; it's showing up in uh, dive training mainstream magazine, magazines you know, yeah. now, and you're starting to see it more and more. So everything's changed as, as, as this as yeah. this evolves and grows. I'm looking forward to see where, where where it takes all of us in the next five, ten years. Yeah, this is a good thing. This is I'd like to see this kind of mentality, this viewpoint take off you know like yeah get out there and uh order up uh gareth's book under pressure everybody we'll we'll throw a link on our yeah on our web page to order this and uh, also if you if you have ordered the book and read read through the book by all means send us a message on our facebook please uh let us you know, know what you think yeah, yeah let us know what you think and what, what you learned and and start a discussion there and tag gareth and, and, in it i yeah, think too yeah, gareth's on means. facebook he is an Gareth, yeah, he loves. I'm he hoping loves, he's listening. To he this. loves the uh, communicating. I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's out, a writer, he's, man. He works he it all like the crazy. time. So, uh, tag him and uh, by all means, let him know uh, where you heard about it. If if you did hear about this stuff from us, yeah. And also, I mean, the other thing you should say about Gareth, and I keep giving the plug for Gareth because I want to see this this take off a bit because it's going to only positively affect our community. It's only going to make it better. But he runs courses on, on this stuff. He'll travel to your destination. I'd like to see us getting one here going. He has online courses. Well, I've I've mentioned it to him. Yeah. So We're people, try to get if, if you're going, in, yeah. if you're interested in doing this, let us know, and uh, we'll we'll definitely we, we've talked about bringing him for a class. So if you're interested in attending one of these and want to do it with with us, shoot us a message and let us know. 
Yeah, plus he needs to sign our book, so our books. And that, uh, sign our, our log books. Our book. log book. My, t- my book signed. Look at that. Oh, you, get, you got it directly uh, from him? Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, on that note, give me, uh, give me your logbook here. Right, here's, uh, here's mine. Go ahead and uh, sign mine. Um, today is not a good day to die. Famous American diver, Brandon Schwartz. Uh, okay, okay. Your heuristics are awesome today. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Thanks. Safe diving. control by mowing the lawn my lawn in particular